From Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Pace and as usual I'm joined by Paul Bentham who today is overtired, just so you know. Hello! Uh, tough day. <laughs> Not that bad. A uh, bit moany, bit grumpy. And... It's <laughs> <laughs> unnecessary. Would somebody and, introduce me please? And Kev, don't call me Kevin. Breen. <laughs> Thanks for being here both. He didn't say hello. He did. He didn't said he? he complained about not oh, being introduced. He's always interrupting me, so saying, no, no, introduce me, I'm important. Every ep- me, every ep- me, 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 me. Every episode. Every episode begins with Kev trying to get a word in. And not being allowed one. You you, you're hello? having many words. Hello. Hear- yeah, hello. Okay. Uh, in these short podcasts, we aim to focus on the human side of cybersecurity with a bit of tech thrown in. Social engineering, hacker motivations, all that kind of stuff. This week, we're going to take a closer look at the relationship between the media, mainstream or otherwise, and cybersecurity, vulnerabilities, threats and attacks. We're going to talk about some of the triumphs of hype. I'm sure you all have your own examples. Classic fear-mongering and just full-on marketing nonsense. What is it about our industry that makes us so susceptible to nonsense in the media? A lot of vendors. Well, yeah, because every vendor has a PR agency, and obviously that PR agency's job is to get their vendor in the news. So any dross that someone in that company comes up with will end up... It's exciting. Out there. It's exciting, isn't it? It writes good copy. Nobody wants to be like boring cyber news. So we hype it up. Well, there is no such, in some ways, there's no such thing as boring cyber news because every time someone writes about a cyber threat, it's always like absolutely world ending. Hey, I had a great idea. Oh, God. I had a great idea. It's a really I'm great terrified. idea. I'm telling you, it's a great idea. What we could do is we could try and educate some of our listeners and me mainly by playing a game. A game? Yeah, a game. And I've got a whole new sound effects just for this game. Are we supposed to be acting like we didn't know this was coming? <laughs> yes. Please. I am colour me surprised. Oh, a game? Really? A game? This it, sounds thrilling. Let's carry on I'm with excited. that. I'm excited. This thing game. that we didn't discuss before we decided to record the podcast. <laughs> I even have branded it. You Okay, oh, now this no. I wasn't aware I, I didn't ready? know this. Oh, I, this could go anywhere. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm going to call yes. it Hype. Yeah, good. Or Hacked. Oh, in in a way, even uh-huh. on your own, you're sort of hyping my, cyber my security game. Yeah, no, no, no. okay. So here's the game, right? All I'm right. going to read out one of the uh, a famous uh, exploit or vulnerability from the last few years. Uh, you guys, fastest finger first. Uh, maybe put your hand up or something, something like that. That's going to work brilliantly for, for radio. <laughs> yeah, we should have invested in buzzers. I'm the only one with sound effects. Yeah, well, um, I don't know if other people realise, but Paul does control everything. <laughs> everything technical to do with the podcast, Paul is in control of, That's which right. is terrifying all on its own, but there's some insight for you. There you go, there's some insight. But So I have new sound effects, uh, and this game I'm going to read out one of the vulnerabilities. You guys are going to raise your hand or shout out, and I'll use one of my sound effects to tell you whether you're right. Okay. And luckily Kev knows all of it, so Chris, <laughs> you're, on, you're on your back foot here. <laughs> Just... An interesting side note is that this is subjective. So this uh, is like legal Here comes a small <laughs> proof. No, no, no. So here is an opportunity for us to discuss another um, 
uh, another aspect of our industry is that everyone is an insufferable pedant. So Kev is basically <laughs> worried that he will say something. He will say, this wasn't a big deal. Nobody cared about it. And then all of Twitter will be aflame with people saying, Kev Breen doesn't know anything about vulnerabilities. Kev Breen's an idiot. So now Kev gets to caveat what he's about to say. For all those people that might be about to be aflame on Twitter, Kev is now going to cover his ass. Self-preservation. Go. That. Yes. Well, so like, it's all about, it's very subjective. So what is not important for me might be important for your organization. What's important for your organization, I might not care about it. It depends on who you are and what you've got. I think what we're saying is if a software vendor says, or a security researcher says, um, a piece of software is vulnerable to a thing. I mean, it is ultimately vulnerable. There is no, no one is arguing against that. Then the next question is, how vulnerable is? Can vulnerable? we just do my game? Yes, all right. This is you so want to do the boring. Qu- <laughs> I'm talking about security, so boring. boring. Right here we go. Then right, vulnerability number one. Okay, drown. Oh, okay. Kevin. Yes, Kevin. Can can he answer and then I can say whether I think he's right or not? When can I use my sound effects? Well, That's the when, most important when thing. When I, I have... Okay, okay. Whoever goes second... This game's not really going to work. Anyway, come on, Kev. Has everybody noticed how little I've said in this podcast? Oh, oh jeez. Me, 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 me. This was meh. Meh. Oh. Oh. I thought Kev was going to say, like, hacked or hype. Yeah, you supposed so to say hacked or hype. hype. Do you mean hype, then? Hype. Hype. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was Hype. Kev. Drown. Hang on. Drown. Drown. This was the one. Oh, I remember this. This was the one that where they did see. Now, unfortunately for our listeners, I'm now in my element because this is branding and marketing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> king and of I, hype this, this, and the king of hacked. <laughs> this is what I should have introduced. Oh, no. I should have thought about this beforehand. So this had a great, um, this had a great bit of uh, marketing. It had a padlock that was like a like a watery padlock. <laughs> I remember that very specifically, and I do remember also that they did a very clever thing, which got them tons of press, which is where they said, "Here's the percentage of websites in the world that are vulnerable to this attack," and the media absolutely lit up because they were like, "Oh, turns out that I don't know whatever percentage of the world's um, websites." Are all vulnerable to this, and yeah, it went it went crazy. So you're basically saying that after all of that, all those vulnerable websites and all that fuss, it was basically a little bit of nothing. So the website's definitely vulnerable. Um, the reason I say it's more hype than hack is because in order to actually abuse this, you had to be like man in the middle. You had to have some kind of other network compromise. You had to be able to intercept that. So, in terms of how impactful that was, yeah, meh. So you're basically saying is what one, we've talked about this previously. It's one of those things where if you don't already if you don't already have access, there's not much you can do. Yes. All right. Excellent. Good. Right. The next one, Heartbleed. Chris, I think it was pretty bad. Ah. Hey. Did <laughs> somebody get one wrong? I've got a really great wrong sound. <laughs> um. Uh, so I seem why, to remember. Chris, on, yeah, well, why? I seem to remember this was. Uh, oh gosh, SSL. Is this an SSL thing? Yeah. Yeah, and so because SSL so ubiquitous, because uh, it's like everywhere, um, then I'm I'm guessing that's why it was exploited a lot. I mean, yeah, that's my 
I I don't know the answer. That's my theory. I guessed basically is what I'm saying. Fifty-fifty <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for a guess. It's fairly active. So Heartbleed was a vulnerability in the OpenSSL crypto library, which is used across not just websites but like SMTP servers, mail servers, and that kind of thing. And what it did is it allowed you to leak data. Um, so you could send a request and you could get more than your response back. So you could potentially uh, steal private keys and other things that would allow you to do further attacks and do further damage. Uh, and it wasn't long before the community actually managed to do it. It took thousands of requests. It was a very, very noisy attack, uh, but it was fairly useful uh, and fairly good at delivering. Hmm. Awesome. Right. Next up, it's Image Tragic. Chris. I think Image Tragic was not a widely because I seem to remember there's a bit of software called Image Magic, and I think it wasn't a widely used bit of software. So I'm going to say that it wasn't that bad. So you're saying hype? Hype. Oh bull! Yeah, <laughs> you got it wrong. So I mean, you're right. Um, it was Image Magic. It's a library that does image manipulation, uh, but it was very widespread. Oh, there's where proper hacking. Okay. Yeah. Proper it, hacking. It was used everywhere, and it was really, really easy uh, to abuse. Okay, next up, Shell Shock. Shell Shock, come on! Who's gonna go? Hive or hacked? Uh, Kev. Yeah, it was hacked. <laughs> yeah, it's a we're very bad one, this one. Come on, Kev, why was this bad? Uh, Shellshock was bad because it affected uh, pretty much every Linux um, environment. Um, anything that was running Bash. Was it a Bash? Yeah, a Bash exploit, I, was, I remember, yeah. Oh, talk about Bash, because I don't really know what Bash is, and I hear people talking about it all the time. And I stay quiet and nod my head like you're meant to. Um, but tell me what it's about. Uh, you're familiar with cmd.exe on windows yes yes Bash not it. an idiot <laughs> <laughs> cmd.exe uh, bash bash is like a linux equivalent so it's your command line interpreter oh, and okay. there are several variants you've got Does sh bash ash uh born again shell um, was that <laughs> was that a trick question I, I felt like i was being trapped there other shells are available <laughs> um Yes, this was a bug in Bash where you could get it to execute other commands that it necessarily shouldn't have been running. And again, this was, you didn't have to do a lot. Um, SMTP servers were vulnerable to this, mail servers, you could put it in headers. There's lots of places where you could abuse this. Nice. Okay. Gotcha. Next up, Poodle. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'll guess though. Yeah, go on. I'm going to say it was bad. I'm okay. Oh. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. Wrong no, again. Good job we're not doing scores here. You're like I'm the full guy. I know. Uh, Poodle and I want to say padding oracle attack. Um, uh, again, it was one of those. It was uh, SSL, uh, HTTPS kind of stuff. And again, it was one of those where if you didn't sit in the middle of that network, if you didn't have that kind of privileged access to be able to intercept communications, there wasn't a lot you're going to be doing with this. So, yes, it was bad. Yes, you needed to patch. But how easy was it for an attacker to make use of? Should we come back to this quiz later and cover some of the topics? Or should we keep going? Uh, I've got a few more. Oh, you got more. More. Oh, it's almost like you've done preparation for this. Yeah, I thought I try prepping for one of these podcasts. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> just that, just one. one. How's that working out for you? 
I don't know. I kind of like the spontaneity of the other ones. <laughs> I can do another one. Would you have me to do another one? No, let's talk. Yeah, let's um, have a brief break and we'll come back to the quiz because the quiz has I've been fun. Okay, I'll give effects. you some credit. Yes. The quiz has been fun. You may do it this time, but let's not. I feel like I'm. I feel like I spent the whole time just reining you in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's take a break from the quiz. Um, and and instead, I just want to talk about two, um, just generally outrageous. Um, one one is media coverage specific, um, and the other is just a um, a bit of barefaced uh, marketing hype um, that we'll also uh, that we'll also that we'll also talk about. Um, my personal favorite. Uh, when it comes to media misreporting and cybersecurity, is the um, tiny Chinese spy chips <laughs> in Amazon and Apple data centers. Uh, and this was a story, and it wasn't just like it was a story like some random security journal thought, oh, you know, I can write a couple of paragraphs about that. This was like a Bloomberg long form, you know, one of these deeply serious, in-depth, you know, they even boasted about the number of people who they interviewed for this thing. Like they interviewed a hundred people or something. Um, and it turned out it was all just utter, it seems like it was all just utter rubbish. Um, so the suggestion was uh, that... China were selling, I want to say motherboards. Motherboards, super micro, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, super micro. Selling motherboards to uh, companies like Amazon and Apple, and I think in fact even Bloomberg themselves, which I thought was really entertaining. Um, And on those motherboards were these tiny, tiny chips that could, I don't know, like listen to everything that you were saying or track everything you were doing or something like that. I think it hooked into. Um, one of the something like the BMI, so it's one of the backdoor, the the standard, uh, not a backdoor. So it was a backdoor, but it hooked into one of the systems that was supposed to enable like remote access, remote configuration. I think the the thing about this is this is a great film. I mean, if you wanted to, <laughs> if you wanted to compromise national security, because it was they were the claim was surely the claim wasn't the claim that they used, these uh, motherboards had got into the servers in you yeah, know Apple, the, Google, Facebook, the National Security Agency, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. The implication it's is that it's like hack. a like a supply chain hack, and and of course it's not it's not like anyone was saying that they didn't they were they weren't saying that was completely completely impossible. It's plausible, no, it's totally plausible, plausible in many ways, yeah. so, but just not true in this case. The the nice thing is, is that so yes, the Bloomberg article, like Amazon and Google, and they all came out and went, yeah, no, that's not true. Um, but a researcher uh, actually went and replicated it, so they actually managed to design a chip and were able to hide a chip that did what this thing was reported to have done. I don't think they got the form factor down as small, but they were able to replicate the actual. Of course they did. Someone in cybersecurity <laughs> thought, "Hang on, everyone is telling, everyone is saying this isn't possible. I will now prove that it's completely possible for no real what, reason." What I don't understand: How do you get the data out? Right. So you got this thing on the motherboard. It's a back door, like on 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 board back door. How are you getting the data? Paul, out? there's a. If you go and read the article, there's a brilliant infographic. Ooh, yes, and it's, in an infographic, it's got to be true, exactly, right? Exactly, which shows you step by step. <laughs> um, that uh, that it, that you know exactly uh, exactly how it works. I I think the one of the problems is when we're thinking about um, 
these kinds of stories and actually what happened in this case was it feels like the wool got pulled over the eyes of the reporter a little bit and because the reporter is not an expert all the reporter is looking to do is to find enough sources to be able to say oh you know this could be a legitimate uh, this could be a legitimate story um and of course the problem is when you're trying to find facts amongst you know stuff that is a little bit scientific or harder to understand there is a risk that you just kind of head to the lowest the lowest common denominator um i think that often journalists use justifications like you know the near truth is an easier thing for for a reader to understand but if no one can figure out what's supposed to have happened it is a it, there is an, a, an issue with the journalism do you think our industry is going to start to suffer from like too much crying wolf then it's already there already. you think it's already here yeah i mean if we think about look we your quiz was a bit of fun but the reality is that you know those um those branded vulnerabilities they i mean first of all let's think about why do they exist I mean, why do we think someone brands a vulnerability? To sell firewalls. Yeah, because you want to sell a firewall or you want to sell your... More likely, actually, you want to sell your red teaming service. Like, security mm. researchers want to find ways to uh, make themselves look relevant to the industry in which they in which they work. And so that's where branded vulnerabilities come from. And so... They are a bit more interesting than calling them CBU 2020, uh, one, two, three, four. That's part of the problem, isn't it? That's part of the challenge. One of the challenges is that it's typically down to the discoverer to name it but it's not always that way so sometimes something will come out and somebody else will name it on your behalf and then somebody else will name it something different and somebody else will name it something okay. different now this is great because this gives me an excuse to talk about naming con- i don't know if you know but i've got a bit of a beer in my bonnet mm. about naming conventions <laughs> have we covered this or have we covered naming well, I think conventions we do. already we did, yeah. yeah so so there's a weird there's a number of weird things around naming conventions and cybersecurity. Uh, one is that it used to be that the person who got, if it's a, sometimes if it's an exploit, it's the person who gets to it first, or malware, it's the person who gets to it first who gets to name it. But the problem is that any other vendor, if they're detecting it, for example, in a rule or whatever, they can then give it their own name. So that all becomes really confusing. And don't even get me started on threat actors. Now, threat <laughs> actors are like a whole nother thing. Fancy fancy bear or apt whatever it is and you don't know because everything's got like four different names there's a google sheet that's accessible to anyone for free that basically does has to do the job now of kind of de-obfuscating all of these different threat actor groups because none of us know what they are it's the rosetta stone of apt names (laughs) it's just good rant it's crazy (laughs) and and i think actually the point the point is really the expectation on somebody working in security day-to-day to be able to do all this translation at the same time as doing their job and then hopefully not being distracted by whatever the latest branded vulnerability is is potentially i don't want to overstate it and i don't want to seem hypey about it but doesn't that potentially increase risk? I think it makes our life easier. It makes <laughs> it just makes our life easier. All we have to do is don't worry about the ones that that, that are on the BBC News, right? That's the only ones that are going to hurt us, right, Kev? Mm, yeah. Your yeah. quiz just proved that that's completely untrue. And there's a, there's yeah. a couple more. So things like curveball. Um, oh, oh, oh! Don't use that as in my quiz. Oh, sorry. Oh. Uh, oh, should we go back to my quiz? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The second half of the quiz. Curveball, okay. Curveball. No, it's not. <laughs> no. Okay, you can do curveball. Curveball. Who's going to go first? I'll let Chris decide what he thinks because I know what I think. This is recent. So I am 
gonna say that it's hype. I'm gonna have to press this button, but oh. also oh, oh so because it's one other. it all depends, and Kev's gonna explain why. Uh, if you operate in an organisation that's completely dependent upon trust, then this thing is super critical to you. Kev, don't we all work in organisations that depend completely on trust? Not to this level. So, Curveball was a misimplementation in Microsoft's uh, checking of um, certificates that were used to sign websites and used to sign binaries. And if your entire infrastructure checks the validity of signed binaries and signed certificates, then absolutely this is super critical for you. Most organizations won't do binary certificate checking of every executable that's running, um, and therefore they're going to, this is going to be a lot less impactful for them. In the same, uh, at the same time as that one was disclosed, there was also a critical RCE in a RDP oh, gateway. I remember you ranting to me about this. <laughs> yes, see, this is where the whole idea for this podcast came from, is that one day I went out skipping over to Kev's desk and said, hey, this curveball thing seems like a big deal, <laughs> like the marketing guy that I am. And, and he said to me, you're an idiot. And this is why, because there's a much more important, see, it's the classic thing. There's a much more important vulnerability over here. If it doesn't have a brand. If you're running RDP gateways on vulnerable versions, that's a lot more impactful to you than if you're not doing certificate checking on every box that's running. But how does someone in the job day-to-day you know? Day know that? And that's the thing, that cutting through the media hype is incredibly difficult. You've got to, as a person in your organisation, you've got to know your organisation. So it's okay. about understanding where your... So, knowing well enough how your technology stack works and then understanding where the relevant vulnerabilities are at the right time. Yes, And not getting distracted by branding. It is a good brand, though, Curveball. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably my favourite. It also wasn't its first name. Um, I can't remember what its first name was, but it went through a couple of different names. See, this is back to the same old problem, isn't it? Oh, dear. Uh, this is the consultancy that we need to build, isn't it? Like de-obfuscating names of cybersecurity stuff. Are you guys with me on it? We, no, not even as a consult. We just build an engine. And we'll look like the random uh, startup random. name generator <laughs> oh, thing. Yeah, we could do that. Or we could just supersede everyone else's naming conventions. Oh, we should just do our, our own. own. Yeah. yeah. That, can only ma- that can only make things simpler. Of course it's going to be That couldn't make it more complicated. Our, our branding would be better. Of course, yeah. Sorry, have you? F- did you remember what it was called before? Uh... Yes, I have. Uh, it's gonna get <laughs> Chain of Fools. Chain of Chain Fools. Of Fools. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a song more than a brand, though, isn't it? It's yeah. too too wordy. Curveball was better. Curveball was better. Right Cur- and Curveball is where we ended up. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Blue Keep. Oh. Mm. Ooh. <sighs> I'm gonna let Chris go on this one as well. Oh, I j- so I my. Stand my default setting when anything's got blue in it, you know, for obvious reasons that Paul can't <laughs> that Paul can't talk about, is that I think it's usually bad. So I'm gonna stick with my. I'm gonna say it's. I'm gonna say it's bad. I'm gonna say it's hacked. Correct. It is hacked. So it is. So Blue Keep was a really critical vulnerability. Um, it affected a large number of of devices, but it was really hard to actually make it work uh, you had to know things about your target operating system um, but I, I feel like that's right. a bit of a common thing I feel like that's a bit of a common theme like I think if you're looking at Heartbleed as a, is another example where it's like oh 
God, look, all these websites are vulnerable to this thing. But actually, it turned out that the actual exploiting part was much, much harder. And so therefore, the risk was reduced. That's the bit that it feels to me is missing from all these conversations. So with Bluekeep, we had POCs available um, or some researchers had uh, generated it and they released like video clips and they said they'd done it. And then they made the decision not to release anything. And it was several oh. months before any POC. So we knew it was exploitable. We knew there were proof of concepts, but nobody was willing to release it because of its perceived danger. Well, then, that's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Then Metasploit made the decision um, after several months. They had a Metasploit module. Yep. They released it as a an alpha and people started to pick it up and play with it and learn more about it. And then fast forward another month or so after yeah. that, and then we saw the first attack using it. Wow. And it was completely underwhelming. So, <laughs> so usually um, that whole, like the rationale around making proof of concept code or Metasploit modules available, is that at someone's discretion? It's entirely at the discretion of whoever's discovered it. Right. It's, it's their call on whether they want to release the POCs or not. It's really and interesting. I mean, that's sort of, that's a little bit like saying, um, I figured out a way to open every BMW in the world that exists. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to like give it away to people on eBay, right? I th I sort of feel like I'd be in trouble for that. Yeah, in yeah in the in the world of cybersecurity, it's like, oh, I've proved that it, it is exploitable. I'm just gonna share that with everyone. Anyone who cares can come and get hold of this exploit code. I understand that's to do with the open nature of the. Uh, I've used, I'm going to use the word community, but you know what I mean. But there is a question to be asked there about when that's a good thing. to And do. this is where we get into responsible disclosure. So. Me as a researcher, I find a vulnerability. I go to the vendor and go, this is pretty bad. Mm. Vendor says, you're right, let's fix that. They patch, you then wait a amount of time, uh, and then in partnership with the vendor, you release a POC. And that works. When, v when POCs come out sooner is when the vendor goes, well, I don't really care. Right. Or if the vendor isn't willing to patch, or if the vendor's being difficult and pushing it out, then releasing POCs Whilst, yes, technically you are handing out a cyber weapon, you're also forcing the vendor into action. Mm. Well, of course, the other thing, I suppose, is the... so, But that's all quite vendor-centric. That's making a... That's that's saying that the, the software vendor is ultimately responsible for producing the patch rather than the organisation using that software is responsible for deploying it because I'm sure the gap between, like, announcing to POC is actually much narrower than the gap between announcing to people actually deploying the patch. Typically, it's 30, 60, 90 days, depending right. on the severity. Mm. There's way too much cyber chat and not enough quiz. Oh, quiz. <laughs> more quizzing. Sorry, more quiz. I, I'm going to have to get my bleep machine ready for this next one. Oh. I, I also have to point out that the product owner failed to hit his button. Oh, he had a yeah. You had a moment there. We'd said you were going. I'm not going to do. I'm not doing curveball. Oh, he's not doing curveball. He doesn't, think, doing it, doesn't think it's interesting enough. Just wait. Blue just wait. Blue I'm not doing blue keep either. Yeah, just wait. Interesting enough. Here we go. Okay. Shit trace. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Chris Pace. I know that it was hacked. Well done. And Billy bonus for this one. 
And now, a word from our sponsors. That's right. We have labs on this, both the offensive and the defensive labs. And Kev's going to tell us all about them. Yes, yes, Kev is going to tell you all about them. Uh, yeah, so we've got two labs. So one of them's aimed at your red team. So this is all about... Hang on, maybe you should just tell us about the exploit first. What is shit tricks? What the... F- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, shit tricks. So Citrix... Uh, they have some virtual appliances. Niggas, uh, niggas, and this brings us into stuff we've talked about before. So this is like gateway SSL appliances and things of that nature which are being targeted and having vulnerabilities found on them. Everybody uses Citrix, don't they? Not everybody, but a large portion. It yeah. is a, a large portion of the internet will be using this. Um, so this is unauthenticated remote code execution. So this is like pretty much as bad as it can get in terms of like exploitable vulnerabilities it's really easy to use and it's really really dangerous um and it wasn't long after the announcement after the pocs came out that we really started to see this it was super quick wasn't it really really quick yes good um and usually um sorry just sorry i'm interested i'm interested in answers to these questions um i'm assuming that the exploitation of a vulnerability like that is for the purposes of deploying some bit of malware right so like a like ransomware or whatever uh either deploying something or just giving you further access so if you're uh, e-crime if you're financially motivated then yeah maybe dropping miners or ransomware um, like just commodity stuff if you're a nation state then you're going to use this to get hands on uh, stay quiet stay self give yourself some persistence mechanism uh, and then start laterally moving through the networks I did stay on top of this one a little bit because it had a, a quirky media angle interesting this is what we're talking <laughs> about but it had a quirky media angle in that um, once the vulnerability was announced and there were some organizations i think that had decided they might take their their citrix gateways down for a little while in order to fix stuff um the dutch press was reporting that there was the potential for there to be more traffic jams because government employees in the netherlands were being forced by citrix um to drive to work instead of <laughs> staying at home and connecting through citrix and that is a good that's a good media angle that's a good angle yeah it's a good angle okay the la- this, this, sorry this is this is one of those where where responsible disclosure didn't happen like Citrix hadn't released any patching there was no mitigations in place and even the mitigations they released it wasn't long before the community turned around and went yeah those mitigations don't work quite as well as you think they do didn't you find uh, something with the AWS Citrix images yeah so Citrix uh, released AWS images uh, published them into the marketplace so that if you're on AWS you can just grab one of these and spin them up really easily uh, turns out there was a couple of issues with that um they were all default by vulnerable, so they were in shipped in a vulnerable state. And once you actually managed to exploit the vulnerability, it was really trivial to get the root password. AWS, um, so AWS did a good thing in that they didn't ship it with default credentials, but they had to be able to give you the root password so you could get on. So what they did is they set the root password to be the instance ID. Seems fairly yeah, safe sensible nice and easy to use um, the administrator of the AWS account can log on and see the ID and away we go unfortunately AWS has this really nice thing called a metadata URL where anybody who's got access can query the instance ID from the machine ah. oh, therefore so it's easy to find the password I use the exploit mm. 
at that point I can then query the metadata URL, get the root password, and then just SSH in as if I was the root user account. So the point about the password you like, because it's technically interesting, what I found more interesting was that you're basically saying that having identified that this thing was vulnerable and that everyone should patch, Citrix was still providing those standard images <laughs> as the vulnerable version. Uh, yes. Uh, and I, think I mean, it, what the? What the actual? I think it was two or three weeks after I tweeted. Two or three weeks? After I tweeted AWS. Oh. I went and tried to grab another copy to run a honeypot and turns out they'd gone and removed all those vulnerable images. Oh, well done, Kev. Just making the internet a safer Kev, place. cyber warriors. <laughs> cyber, not all heroes wear capes. No, Kev actually does wear a cape. Now and at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> this is going in a whole other direction. Okay, last. Last? Ah. Uh, last I'm ones. actually disappointed this is over. This has not been a bad feature, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so the last I'm going I'm going to do two in one because I think they're basically the same thing, but I'm probably wrong. Spectre oh, yeah. and Meltdown. Chris, hype oh. or hacked? So again, I remember these, and I think they were extremely well branded. So I'm going to say for that reason, hype. <laughs> for no other reason. Hey, we just proved our whole theory. <laughs> top branding yeah so spectre meltdown uh these are a couple of things it's what they call speculative expert speculative execution on cpus easy for you to say it really wasn't uh <laughs> so this is the idea that cpus have gotten that's a your processor in your computer has got that smart that it does things before you've even asked it to do it um and in some very specific situations and circumstances then you could ask it to do something and then you could fetch it afterwards so you could ask it to issue a set of commands uh, it would fail but it would still have executed those so you could read them this again because it's on the cpu you must already have a high level of access onto that machine mm. for standard organizations where this becomes maybe not quite so hype and maybe potentially hackable is if you're on shared infrastructure. So if you're running hypervisors um, like AWS, then oh, there's... Yeah. It, this is where it was really scary. Like Everybody's like, oh my God, that's the end of Amazon. Exactly. So like, if I could spin up a, a standard VM on AWS, then maybe I could read all of your secrets. Uh, in practice, it's uh, significantly harder than that. Has anybody ever exploited it? Not to my knowledge, not outside of the POCs. Outside the lab. But that could be because they were so quick at actually issuing micro patches for the CPUs. I'm going to suggest that if the bar of, dif of difficulty is such that it doesn't represent worthwhile effort when there's so many other easy unpatched vulnerabilities out there, <laughs> which I think it's safe to say that there probably are, all of the other ones that we haven't mentioned in during this discussion, they're probably just going to go for those. So the really interesting piece on this is it's not software. This is hardware. Mm. It's not that easy to patch. No. You, you really heavily rely on the CPU vendors to actually roll uh, updates out that fix this. Okay, so I, I think that quiz was successful. I'm really pleased with that. It was fun. But there was one that I didn't use because I think it's so ridiculous. And I know that Chris has a really good rant about it. Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this, this to you. This is so good. And, and I'm not... I was there time AI. This is not... Uh, <laughs> all right, so Kev's going to rant about it more than I am. I am going to give it the credit that it deserves because what it did was it showed 
just how easy you know from the sort of marketing vendory um you know venture capital like investment side of things just how easy it is to convince people that the thing that you're building is a like real (laughs) (laughs) but also that you could get i don't know how much they got an investment it's probably millions wasn't it like you could get millions in investment to basic and pay a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars to pay black cat to stand up in front of a room full of security professionals and say let us talk to you about artificially ai driven time-based 5D encryption. Quasi-prime. Quasi-prime. The discovery of quasi-prime <laughs> numbers. Like, it basically what they... what their whole rationale was like if we throw in i mean literally like a lot of other vendors i suppose if we throw enough sort of hype at this idea people will get on this train and we'll be able to sell them a thing that you know but i'm still waiting for it to come out that it was a some kind of you know um punked or something like that that it was just um totally invented um it is an extreme example um it is the the absolute th- like thin end of hype, um, but it, to me it's fascinating and actually exposes some of the challenges. I think if you think about the you know the investment community, if you think about um, uh, those organisations looking to buy security products, how much work do you have to do to make it feel like you're offering something that is a legitimate security solution in order to have someone at least potentially interested investing in it or buying it? Um, so yeah that's the we had to talk about it and seriously um go to timeai.io i shouldn't plug their website because they're probably getting paid paid per click but there is the most amazing video of this non-existent thing doing non-existent stuff it's brilliant whatever you do though don't complain about them oh there's 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 they're suing they're suers oh (laughs) no yeah Yeah. they're suing black hat uh for they're gonna sue us now as well Uh, and they're also suing uh people in the twitter sphere who called them out for talking nonsense can we put allegedly oh yeah all of that allegedly all all of that allegedly Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) and what is it uh so we look we've talked a lot about vulnerabilities um Kev, you 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 can have the final word on this. You have views, I'm sure. What does all this mean? So for me, it's patching is really important. But you, as the expert in your organisation, you set your patching policy. It's not set by the news or the media. Good work. All right. Thank you so much, both. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your audio content. And if you want to know more about Immersive Labs, you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on Twitter at Immersive Labs UK. Until next time, from all of us, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.